Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone. At the age of 38, I had some photos taken of me wearing a strap on after fucking my girlfriend. It was hot. I looked hot. They tell you that spina bifida is not a progressive disease or disability. However, just seven years later, my bladder and bowel issues had gotten progressively worse. At age 38, I was able to get away with wearing a pad for a while for my bladder issues. Today, I have to have a diaper under my clothes unless I'm close to a bathroom. The diaper is clumpy and I have to rub myself in oil or cream to avoid diaper rash daily. Neither my Sarah or I are into any diaper fetish or any age play. But when we fuck, instead of stripping out of sexy panties, I am stripping out of a diaper. This brings up a totally different response from the image of me in the strap-on, right? This episode is called, My Diaper is Not Sexy, But I Still Am. We're going to talk today about fetishes, disability fetishes, devoteeism, and disability. For most of you, this image of me in the diaper strikes a response of, ew. For others, you may have an, ooh, response. For me, it just is what it is. It is neither disgusting nor attractive. It's something I used to be ashamed of. I'm not anymore. Today, it is just something I need, just like my medications, my braces, and my crutches. When I took those photos of me in the strap-on, I did not share them publicly. I shared them on FetLife, a kinky social media site, using the Just Friends option. I didn't share those pictures publicly because I was in my bare feet and using a crutch at the time. I didn't want to be considered masturbation material for devotees or disability fetishists. On the one hand, I want people to look at me as sexy. I want to feel sexy even with my crutches, my bare feet. There's a thin line between wanting to feel sexy and attractive and then being objectified though. Because in my opinion, a disability fetish also does not see me as attractive. 
only the medical equipment or assistive devices I use are seen as attractive. Interestingly enough, today, I also cannot move my hips and pelvis enough to use a strap-on with a partner. In addition to spina bifida, I was recently diagnosed with spondylolisthesis. Try to say that fast three times. Today, I do pelvic tilts as part of physical therapy for my back. But when I do these exercises, I keep thinking about how they can help me sexually, and that makes them a little more worth the effort in PT. Today, my diaper is also a necessity. At home, I can wear a pad because I'm close to a bathroom. But when I leave the house, I can't guarantee that I will always be close to a bathroom. There are long car rides. There are stores that don't have public restrooms. You get the idea. So to me, my diaper is a necessity. It brings me comfort to know that I won't be publicly humiliated if I have an accident. My diaper is not something I want others to feel sexually attracted to. I want my partners to accept it and not be grossed out by it if they happen to see me in it, but I don't want a partner who is turned on by the fact that I'm wearing it. I'm also tired of not feeling sexy because of the diaper. Today, I accept that this is my path, but I won't let it destroy my sex appeal. I'm still worthy of love and I'm worthy of passion. I'm still desirable. My diaper is not sexy, but I still am. My Sarah and I are kinky. We are into power exchange. We're into impact play and fire play. We are not personally into age play. I know others who are, and I can understand some age players in that they often are trying to feel a connection with their younger selves and seeking a nurturing caregiver in their romantic relationships. To that, I can say, okay, your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. I wear a diaper because I have to. When I have sex, I take the diaper off. When I don't feel safe enough to take the diaper off, we don't have sex. My sire is not disgusted by the fact that I wear a diaper. It's just a medical need. He is still attracted to me. He's attracted to me and not my disability. He doesn't find my crutches or my braces hot. He finds me hot. My disability is not part of our kink. Honestly, for me, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't want to be with someone just because they were attracted to my disability or to the equipment I use. I'm of two minds when it comes to disability fetishizing. On one hand, from the kink world, I've learned the saying, your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. It's sort of like, don't yuck anyone else's yum. So while I may not understand it, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing in and of itself. On the other hand, as a disabled woman, 
I don't like to be objectified. I don't want a partner who's just with me because they're attracted to the thought of me wearing a diaper or my crutches or braces. I want someone who isn't disgusted by the fact that I have a disability or that I wear a diaper. I want someone to still want me even when they see me taking off the diaper instead of taking off a sexy pair of panties. But I don't want someone who is only interested in me because of the diaper. I see some friends of mine with spina bifida who are in these ABDL groups on FetLife, these adult baby diaper lovers groups. And honestly, it concerns me. Now, I know there are age players out there, and I understand age players are not pedophiles. They're acting as if. I understand there are littles and middles, depending on what age group you're acting out. This is a situation, again, where your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. But the ABDL groups, I have a harder time with. On the one hand, if you want to wear a diaper and be taken care of, or even if you don't need the diaper, there is the, your kink is not my kink. Where I get concerned about this group is when people with legitimate disabilities like spina bifida, who have to use a diaper for medical reasons, are coming onto FetLife looking for partners into ABDL. It scares me because I have to wonder if they're really into ABDL or are they just looking for some acceptance in the wrong place. I worry about these folks being abused and being taken advantage of and not understanding their full worth as a human being. It makes me question their self-esteem. There's a difference between self-acceptance loving your body and wanting love and desiring to be treated like an object. Now for some, being treated like an object is a kink, but for others, I worry that they're seeking it out just because they may not think enough of themselves that they can find love. For example, when I look at the disability groups on FET, there will always be posts by disabled people looking for a devotee. I have to wonder, are they just looking for someone who will accept them with their disability? And it's easier to find a devotee than find someone who will love them for who they are. So let's take a step back. For me to wrap my mind around all this, it's helpful to look at some definitions. Now, if we were to look up in the FetLife BDSM glossary, it would say a fetish is sexual excitement aroused by a specific object, body part, or activity not usually associated with sexual arousal. According to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, a fetish is an object or bodily part whose real or fantasied presence is psychologically necessary for sexual gratification, and that is an object of fixation to the extent that it may interfere with complete sexual expression. 
this leads me to the definition of fixation, which is defined as the act, process, or result of fixing, fixating, or becoming fixated, such as a couple of different things, but the one that has to do with the word fetish was such as an obsession or unhealthy preoccupation or attachment. Notice the difference in the definitions. FetLife talks about excitement and desire versus the dictionary definition about being psychologically necessary and fixation or compulsion. As FetLife is made up of kinksters and fetishists, there are a number of options you can list on your profile as your fetish. Things like tying someone up, latex, certain styles of dress, leather. Friends of mine, when we get together, we even joke, and many people do this on the site, where we'll come up with a new fetish for the evening. You know, it might be Annie's blue eyes, might just be an example of that. And this is all meant for fun. For a lot of people, their fetish list includes their desires, things that excite them, like the FetLife definition I gave earlier, which is what FetLife is all about. But in the real world, some fetishes can hurt people. The dictionary definition isn't talking about just desire or excitement. It's talking about fixating, obsessing, so that can become dangerous. Fetishes hurt people when someone is forced to play into a fetish against their consent. Fetishes that can particularly hurt people include fetishes around race play and disability fetishes. According to Wikipedia, the ICD-10 defines fetishism as a reliance on non-living objects for sexual arousal and satisfaction. It is only considered a disorder when fetishistic activities are the foremost source of sexual satisfaction and become so compelling or unacceptable as to cause distress or interfere with normal sexual intercourse. For me, coming from a kinky background, I hate the use of the term normal sexual intercourse in this. However, I can see what they're saying here. The idea that one cannot have sexual satisfaction without focusing on this object. Under the DSM-5, fetishism is a sexual arousal from non-living objects or specific non-genital body parts excluding clothes used for cross-dressing and sex toys that are designed for genital stimulation. In order to be diagnosed as fetishistic disorder, the arousal must persist for at least six months and cause significant psychosocial distress or impairment in important areas of their life. In the DSM-4, Sexual interest in body parts was distinguished from fetishism under the name partialism, but it was merged with fetishistic disorder for the DSM-5. 
per Wikipedia, the most common types of fetishes include clothing, rubber, footwear, body parts, leather, and soft materials of fabric. I imagine when they say body parts that foot fetishes are pretty common. That's one of them I hear about most often. Wikipedia also gives some interesting history. Fetish is also an object believed to have supernatural powers, or in particular, a man-made object that has power over others. Essentially, fetishism is the attribution of inherent value of powers to an object. According to Wikipedia, for disability fetish, the most common are towards amputations, prostheses, and crutches. I recently participated in an online festival called Love Abilities, and Dr. Richard Bruno was a panelist and discussed devotees in his sessions. He was also kind enough to send me some of his research on this topic. Bruno discussed how devotees will often say their attraction to disability is similar to others' attraction to blondes. He goes on to describe the difference between being attracted to people with blonde hair and being attracted to someone with a disability and how that can be harmful to folks with disabilities. When we think about attraction to blonde hair, we think it's pretty harmless. And maybe there are people out there with that level of attraction to disability. But when you can't have sex with anyone without touching their crutches or their other equipment, this is more concerning. You know, I'm not convinced that this is harmless. Bruno states, if you only date people with blonde hair and can only orgasm when looking at or touching the blonde hair, then it may be similar. I see a lot of newer disabled people on FetLife that I worry for. I worry that they're putting themselves in risky situations. I worry that they may be seeking out people with fetishes to get love. I have to wonder if they are really into diaper fetish, ABDL, baby girl, age play things, or are they just finding a way to find acceptance by seeking this? Honestly, it makes me kind of cringe. I want to say that my diaper is not sexy but I am. I have actually thought about doing a photo shoot in my diaper with this saying. My fear in doing so is being fetishized. I don't want people using that picture for masturbation material. Do I want to feel sexy in my braces and even when I'm wearing a diaper? Yes, sure. But I want to feel sexy. A lot of us who use crutches or wheelchairs will decorate them. We'll put different skins on the crutches to show off our personalities because these devices are an extension of ourselves. Um, we consider them a part of ourselves. Feeling like the only reason that people think I look sexy is because I'm wearing a diaper is insulting to me. It's just as bad, if not worse, than feeling like I'm not sexy at all because of it. 
so this gets me to thinking about people with disabilities in erotica. I was actually asked to assist someone with writing an article on disabilities in erotica. And I think there's too often a fine line between including people with disabilities in erotica and fetishizing disability. Unfortunately, the erotica I've seen seems to be more fetishizing. How can erotica include people with disabilities in a positive way? I see the difference between positive erotica and fetish erotica as this person who happens to have a disability is sexy versus look at the disability. I would love to see more people with disabilities producing their own erotica, or at least having a say in how the erotica is portrayed. It can be very empowering for a person with a disability to be in erotica and to be seen as sexy and disabled. Notice I said sexy and disabled, not sexy because of being disabled. The focus needs to be on the person. It's the person who is portrayed as sexy. It's not about sexualizing the disability itself. Sometimes even well-meaning producers of erotica too often make the focus more about the disability and less about the person. When the title of the book or film is based around disability, I think it's fetishizing. It ultimately hurts those of us with disabilities. The goal in including people with disabilities should be to make that person feel sexy not make them feel like they're there just because of their disability. It should empower, enrich, and make that person feel good about themselves. Fetishizing, on the other hand, can have a detrimental effect on people with disabilities. It can hurt their self-esteem. Positive representation means people with disabilities are included with able-bodied people. To me, positive representation We'll focus on how we're similar and we have similar needs and desires. Fetish erotica focuses on how we're different. And it's another way of setting us apart from our able-bodied peers. Dr. Bruno gives a distinction between devotees, pretenders, and wannabes. According to Dr. Bruno, devotees are non-disabled people who are sexually attracted to people with disabilities, typically those with mobility impairments and especially amputees. Pretenders are non-disabled people who act as if they have a disability by using assistive devices, for example, br braces, crutches, and wheelchairs in private or sometimes in public, so that they feel disabled or are perceived by others as having a disability. And wannabes actually want to become disabled, sometimes going to extraordinary lengths to have a limb amputated. I have to say this, devotees, pretenders, and wannabes are folks I do not understand. If someone can explain it to me in a way that doesn't make me cringe, I would appreciate it. I try to be open-minded.
If that happens, I will invite the person on my show to share with my audience. Right now, though, it's just, ew. The thought of someone pretending to be disabled or even wanting to become disabled, to me, is cringeworthy. It also makes me angry. Makes me angry to think that, for example, someone who is able to walk and they choose to use a wheelchair. I have to really analyze why that makes me angry. And I think it's because I feel they're throwing away their God-given abilities. I'm sure there are other perspectives on this. There are people with disabilities who are in consenting relationships with devotees. Some folks with disabilities are okay with devotees and appreciate devotees. Andrew Gerza had a guest on his podcast. It was one of his early episodes where he talked with a female devotee. This was really interesting because it gave a different perspective on devotees. It was a female devotee, which is rare. This was also a female who is now married to a disabled person. I think maybe this level of devotee is okay because this woman explained how she loves her partner and doesn't just see her partner as a disabled sex shop, as a disabled sex object. I think maybe this level relates to the attraction to blonde scenario I discussed earlier, and maybe this level is okay. I think there are different perspectives out there and probably different levels of devotees. I think this episode on Andrew Gerza's podcast, Disability After Dark, deserves some attention, so please check that out. I'm not saying any of this to insult people who have certain fetishes. What I am saying is that if you are disabled and you come into the kink scene, these are some of the things you need to be aware of so you can make an informed decision. If you want to be involved with certain people, or even be involved in certain groups you may find online. I'm saying to folks with disabilities that you may want to think twice before you post a sexy picture online showing your braces, crutches, or diaper. You may want to think twice before you even write on your FetLife profile that you're disabled because you may have a lot of devotees in your inbox in the next hour. I think there are a lot of safety concerns on FetLife, especially now that it's becoming more and more mainstream. There are a lot of newbies, there are a lot of stalkers, and scary people, unfortunately, who will prey on the newbies. So please be careful. Please consider these things before posting. Now, you may notice I have my information on FetLife as a disabled person because I do this for a living, and I've been around long enough to know to keep myself safe. And I'm also not looking for a partner, so I don't have any interest in flirting with new people. I'm bringing this awareness to you because if you meet someone and you get this cringe-like feeling I was talking about having earlier, you may want to listen to your instincts and avoid the person. Or you may decide you're okay with disability fetishes and devotees after learning about them. And that's totally up to you. 
My purpose is just to bring awareness to everyone so you can make an informed choice. And make informed choices when you post to social media and particularly to kink sites. I hope this episode did that today. At the end of every episode, I will be asking a question for you to consider. Today's question is, how do you feel about disability fetishes? Have you come across people with this fetish or have you come across devotees? Are you comfortable with being around people who have this particular fetish? Go to desirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R ability.com and share your thoughts with me. That's all I have for today. Thank you for joining me. Stay well. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D-I-S-I-R ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.